Hello, my name is Hindel Grossman, and welcome to Inside Divorce. Today I'm speaking with Scott King, a CDLP at Leader Bank. He'll tell you what that means. And I want to welcome Scott today to talk about real estate and lending. Good morning, Scott. Good morning, and thank you for having me on your uh, show. I appreciate the opportunity. My pleasure. Why don't you tell us about yourself and what CDLP means? Well, CDLP stands for uh, Certified Divorce Professional Lender. And what it is, is it basically allows me to take uh, my mortgage practice and expand it into the divorce lending uh, and and, and planning avenue. And, uh, you know, basically what we're looking at is, uh, you know, I started in this business uh, of lending 35 years ago. And but recently I've been seeing more and more instances where people have come to me looking for a mortgage after a divorce is is finalized. Mm-hmm. And what happened is just last year I had three separate individuals who came to me and they didn't qualify. And uh, it changed everything in their lives. And uh, the problem was was the fact that no one had actually looked at the fact of uh, of whether or not a client could get a mortgage after uh-huh. the you know incident of divorce. So they should have come to you sooner, huh? Well, that's kind of what. That's why. That's that's why I I went down this road, and um, basically, what is it's a, a situation that could be addressed uh, during the process, so that there are no issues uh, arising um, at, at the end, and uh, like a lot of things that 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 we all do, it usually involves a little bit of planning. Um, you know, people have to come up with an idea of where they want to be, and then I can help them along that process. I'm not the person that makes the decisions on everything. I'm just coming basically as a team member. And, you know, there's two different roles that I play, depends upon when I come in. Uh, you know, recently what I've been doing is coming in as a financial neutral, which basically yeah. means I'm coming in. And I'm actually helping both sides. It doesn't mean that I'm going to ultimately do the mortgage for them in the end, as much as at least I'm I'm helping them come up with a uh, um, a path that they can follow. And like all paths, sometimes you hit bumps along the road, and you have to be able to figure out you know what you need to do in order to um, make you know come to a, a successful end. Um, the other times that I get involved with people, sometimes it's it's just I'm representing just or not representing, but I'm working with just one of the two uh, individuals. Uh, you know, it, 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 each each situation I see is a snowflake. They're all different. Um, there's a lot of different um, factors that are that are shaping everything, and you need to to zig and zag and and basically be a team member and and, and work work to the end result, which is that the client is happy. Yeah, of course we. We all have that goal. So you're a mortgage lender at Leader Bank, is that right? Yes, I am. Oh, good. And how long have you been there? I have. Uh, it's funny thing is, I actually started with uh, Sushil Tuli, who is the chairman, um, all the way back in uh, I think it was 1992 when we were just a wow. small, um, co- uh, small uh, mortgage company. Uh, mm-hmm. I then left and got involved with uh, uh, Coldwell Banker and Ravis and a couple other places, and then came back about six years ago. He's now uh, we're now an actual brick and mortar bank, a uh, very successful institution. Uh, our headquarters are on uh, Mass Ave in Arlington. We have branches located throughout uh, Eastern Massachusetts. 
Yes, right. Well, good. So you're in the mortgage lending business, and also you advise uh, on on mortgage issues as a CD, CDLP. So um, what is your role? Give us some detail and maybe give examples of what the three incidents that happened to you last year where you were unable to make loans to divorcing people. Well, basically what it is is um, the problem that happens is the fact that people come into a situation with a preconceived notion of qualifying and whether it's income or, or it's a source of a deposit uh, or if it's a credit situation or whatever, um, you know, what happens is the fact that, I, you know, basically I guess my role is, is a facilitator of communication between the client and, and the investor. And each investor, without being overly complicated, each investor has its overlying um, guidelines that you have that you uh, basically a grid of things that they're looking for and some banks are looking for one thing some banks are looking for another and you have to kind of come up with a, a match uh, to make sure that the client that you're getting involved with is going to be able to get to the end and one of the instance instances that i ran into on this was the fact that um, it was actually a um, stay-at-home dad and what he did uh, he didn't have any income and basically uh, just came in with a large uh, a large settlement out of the divorce, you know, lump yeah. sum settlement, and yeah. uh, then proceeded to trying to buy a house and couldn't pay cash for it uh, and didn't have uh, any employment background. So yeah. uh, I worked with a, uh, a trust attorney and we kind of put together um, a, a cash flow situation where, you know, it wasn't what they some people would call it asset depletion it's not um i don't I, it, it's just one of those things that you 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 know i know how to set up so that uh i could come up with a working uh income for the client that he would then qualify so let me make sure i understand this so did in that scenario did that man put um a, maybe all or some of that lump sum into a trust and then were the the income from that trust became income you could use for mortgage purposes correct Good. Correct. And it was, it, yeah, it, you know what? It is interesting. And um, it's one of those things that was kind of like an aha moment when I was like, geez, you know, that was one of the things that came out of my training. That's probably the, you know, one of the things that I, that I, that is the single most important thing. Um, but also what uh, the organization did for me was teach me, and that's, it, 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 it would be, um, irresponsible for me to say that I know everything that, you know, I know everything, but, you know, basically what they did is they gave me a, a, a background of how um, the teams work. And when I say a team, I mean, you know, because you have a, a sometimes a certified uh, divorce financial planner, you've yeah. got yourself as an, as, as a, a counsel, you have a, you know, um, you're probably going to have a CPA involved uh, and other people. And, and, you know, I don't know everything about all those people or what they do. Of course not. But what it is, I know my side of it. And so what I am trying to do is come in and work with everybody to come up with, again, I use the term path because a path is, you know, there's a goal, but the, the path is kind of leads to it. Um, and, it, you know, things change, you know, uh, you know, people lose jobs. Um, you know, there's deaths uh, in, in a family. Uh, I mean, I've, I've kind of seen it all after 35 years, so sure. um, I try to uh, uh, keep an open mind and and not get myself involved in it, you know? 
Yeah, and also be creative. So right. putting that lump sum into a trust and having revenue you know, from the trust that helped uh, this person, this man, without income, otherwise uh, finance the um, uh, purchase. It was very creative. Just out of curiosity, how much was the lump sum that went into the trust? Uh, 275000 uh-huh. And what was the revenue that was generated uh, from the I don't trust remember time? off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. Do you remember how much the person borrowed? Uh, or qualified no, for I really, anything? you know what? It's too many numbers with me off the top of my head. <laughs> okay. Uh, and okay. That, you know, uh, I like a lot of things in my business. It's a, it's a very busy time right now. And, you know, you, unless I have the computer open in front of me, I have a tendency to kind of mix, mix loans together from, you know, like, like people. So. Sure. Yeah, sure. I bet. Uh, um, so it seems like timing, um, your involvement should be early in the process. The timing is important. Well, that's, that's, I agree with you on that. And that's really uh, has been my uh, goal over the last, uh, you know, six to 12 months has been trying to get involved up front. Uh, and it, it's an interesting thing. There's a lot of people out there in the world that, that um, are involved in the mortgage process. Uh, some of them are, have more experience than others. Um, you would use the term creative. You know, I hear I hear the term creative, and the first thing I think of, that's kind of what got us into that problem back in 2008. But mm. creative also means just keeping your eyes open and, and knowing the guidelines of what people are looking for. Bottom line is what everybody wants is the fact that the people can make the mortgage payment each month. And mm-hmm. and um, to do that, you have to have income, and to get income, you have to you have to have either a background in receiving it or a way to facilitate it. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, another thing that we run into, which is a standard situation, is you know if you're um, you know alimony or, or uh, child support, uh, something like that, and that's that that's involved in a lot of situations. But that's pretty that's pretty cookie cutter, you know. Yeah. So it's a. Um, I remember that there's a time frame involved that lenders want to make sure that people get, to, you know, child support, for example, for a period of time before the lender feels comfortable loaning on the child support as income. Correct. And, and that's, what period of time is that? That's six months. Mm-hmm. And um, there are, you know, you can look at some different lender uh, uh, mortgage programs like the FHA, which is the Federal Housing Association. They, they kind of look things a little bit, a little bit differently. Yeah. But um, they're not always the best program for people, and it's la- usually kind of like a last a last ditch uh, effort. Um, one thing that's great about where I work at Leader Bank is the fact that being a brick and mortar bank, we have a portfolio capability, which means I can take a round square, a round peg, and, and put it into a square hole. Sometimes, mm. I mean, it has to make sense. It doesn't mean that that sure. and, and and that that's a, um, a, a rare occasion. Uh, because again, this has to be a, a a loan that makes sense. But um, you know, it's all it's all part of the process. I mean, one of the things I would want to touch on because I think it's critical um, is the only thing you can't change in a mortgage or a mortgage application is the credit. And a credit report. I mean, I, I you can kind of work with a down payment. You can work with income. You can generate all these items. The one thing you can't change is credit. Credit mm. credit is uh, historic. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's one of the things, uh, you know, without stepping on people's toes or whatever, you got to make sure that everyone's making their minimum payments. And yeah, it's an How issue. often does credit, let's talk about credit for a second. How often does credit change? I mean, if you have a bad credit score on, uh, you know, March 1, 
and you try to improve your credit, what, when will that improve and you try to be more diligent <laughs> about making payments? When do you think you – how long does it take to improve your credit? Well, I'll, you know what? I'll take a – I'll take a, 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 I will answer your question, but I'm also going to give you a quick uh, uh, background on it. It's the fact that we use what they call a tri-merge credit report, TransUnion, yeah. Equifax, Experian. Um, yeah. Each one of them use a different algorithm in order to come up with a credit score. Now, yeah. that credit score – only changes when somebody reports to the to, to them that there's been a change, like a payment made or something like that. But to give you an idea, without being overly complicated, it literally can change every day. Um, really? Because mm. you know, uh, you know, if you have a late payment, I mean, I could, I don't want to bore everybody with it, but if you have a late payment on something, the only thing that's really going to make it better is going to be seasoning it. And that means that it has to go out. You know, you have to get months between now and when it occurred. Uh, if you have a more uh, uh, lay down a mortgage payment, um, uh, the, you know, from an underwriting point of view, we can't do a mortgage uh, for twelve months. That's pretty much universal, even on a portfolio loan, unless there's mm. an, a, a real extenuating circumstance. But mm. um, you know, the the credit score itself is uh, um, you know determined by a lot of things. But one of the things is uh, you know use of credit. You know, if you have one credit card and it's got a five thousand dollar balance, and you got a four thousand dollar Limit on it. They look at you saying, "Well, yeah, eighty percent of your of your uh, um, credit available is 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 being used, and that's a negative." But you know, if you had thirty thousand dollars spread out over five cards that had a hundred thousand dollar amounts, it would have a lower impact. It doesn't make sense. It's not per- It's not a perfect scenario because mm-hmm. it's an algorithm and it's a, and it's a computer generating this stuff. But um, you know, hmm. again. Interesting. So a late mortgage payment is more serious ding on your credit than probably a late credit card payment. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, Particularly if you're trying to qualify for a mortgage. Yeah. And um, it's really, that's kind of like, you know, um, again, kind of leads back to one of the problems that had happened on one of the loans I was dealing with is the fact that um, they had basically stopped making payments. Uh, They were mad at each other and they stopped making payments. And it's like, all 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 you did was hurt each other. You know, each hurt each other's credit. Yeah, both credit, right? Yeah, and it, it and and again, that's something you can't go back. I can't call. You know, you can't call up uh, the credit reporting agency and say, "Oh, well, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, I, I was mad at my ex and or whatever." Uh, you know, but from a guideline point of view, um, if it's a strong loan and there's a late. Uh, other than a mortgage late, and it can be explained. Sometimes they'll go. Sometimes they'll work with it. Sometimes they don't. But it's mm-hmm. definitely going to have. A, it's going to have an impact on the credit score, which ultimately is going to have an impact on the rate. Mm, got it. And as you rate, you have some flexibility with the interest rate if there's an automatic payment taken out of an account. Um, rather than sometimes, but sometimes. Um, I mean, again, as a, a portfolio bank, uh, we actually offer that to people. Um, it's actually a lot of people like it, and you know, yeah. this day and age. Uh, where everybody is is busy and and you know and every the, everyone has a lot on their plate. It's kind of nice to have that automatic that automatic piece taken care of, you know? particularly to avoid a late payment, right? Well, yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> I, the way I you know I don't you know I try not to um, um, push my opinions on too many people, but when it comes to the fixed payments like car loans. Uh, um, student loans, uh, mortgages. I always suggest that people set it up as an automatic uh, payment because yeah. it's a set set num- number. I mean, yeah. what I do myself is I actually throw a couple hundred, try to throw a couple hundred dollars more on top of everything, and that's more just because it makes me feel better. 
saying, okay, mm-hmm. at least I'm being a little bit more proactive on, on something. And, you know, there's, uh, you know, m- most people right now are looking at it as uh, on some of these mortgage payments as a, as a re- required payment. I usually tell people, I said, that's actually not a, re- it's a required payment, but it's also the minimum required payment. You know, and if you take mm. a thirty-year mortgage and, and you you pay one extra payment a year, uh, you basically you're going to pay it off in like twenty-one years, twenty-one and a half years. I mean that that's that's where the that's where the big savings comes, but that's not really yeah. involved on the divorce side. So that's meaningful. Okay, so we've talked about credit, the one thing you can't really change immediately, and particularly the more late mortgage payment will hurt you for a long time. Um, and then otherwise, you can try to be creative with down payments. So w- why is it important to start early uh, to do the planning to get on that path? Well, uh, a, a lot of the people, you, as you would know, a lot of people, it, it's, a, it's a journey. And it, it's, uh, you know, three, three months is fast. I mean, most of the stuff I see is six, six to 12 months. And yeah. uh, basically what you're looking at uh, on something like that is the fact that if you have if you start early, you can plan. And in planning on that, it's a lot of it has to do with, as you know, with the division of assets and something like that. Is someone going to have enough money? Uh, is somebody, the, is one of the, the the two parties going to acquire the property? Um, yeah. Or are they going to sell it? Uh, I mean, it, it's, it's just, it's more of a, you know, like, especially for me in the beginning, it's a, um, uh, it's a very loose thing. I'm not looking at being overly specific because they don't really have a goal yet as much as I look at it like, like a, um, I guess I'd almost want to say it's like a shotgun approach of saying, okay, here's all, here's a, here's the, the area of where you can go. Now, depending upon what direction you want to go, we can figure it out. I mean, uh, and what I mean by that is if you're looking at something and you say, well, you know, I want to look at a house for 500000 Well, mm-hmm. 500000 is relatively – well, it's hard. They're all hard to find now. But, um, you yeah, know, that's one thing. But if you're looking for a million or a million and a half, now you're talking about a m- much more substantial uh, uh, loan generally. And mm-hmm. because of that, you have pro- probably going to have a higher need for income. So mm-hmm. you need to be more aware of that. And that's kind of where I kind of work with a, a lot. A lot that involves a lot of uh, groundwork with people up front, because again, what I'm trying to do is a lot of people say, "Well, you know, what's my maximum purchase price?" And it's like it's funny because it's like in a nutshell, there really isn't a maximum purchase price as much as is a maximum mortgage amount. So you have to take that mortgage amount, which is you know. Uh, PITI principal interest taxes and insurance and then reverse you know back your way into back it, into and, it. And, yeah. and everything yeah so it's interesting well so getting uh, divorcing people to er- know early in the process what their options are helps I guess give them an indication of where they might go um, and that also informs what the you know how the support issues might be might go for both the one receiving support and the one paying support. And then, you know, if one spouse wants to stay in the marital home and has to refinance to get the other spouse off the debt um, and buy out the other spouse, that's often very complicated because they have to not only refinance the existing mortgage on the property, but borrow potentially more in order to buy out the other spouse, right? Correct. Do you Correct. call that a cash out? Um, well, the different places will use different terminologies from uh, – on the on the um, outside of the mortgage side of it, uh, yeah, most yeah. people would call consider that a cash a, a cash out. Um, yeah. We're looking at more like uh, um, 
that you're you're basically you're, you're not cashing you're not taking the cash out to pay to buy something as much as you are just taking the cash out to to remove the other per- person off the title. So they're a little bit more liberal sometimes in, in some of the guidelines um, and also in some of the rates. But, um, you know, again, basically there was a new law that was just passed. You know, if you do that, then both people have to be on the title for like the last 12 months. Uh, I mean, there's, there's pretty specific. And it's funny because a lot of the times when I when historically when we see people, there's not necessarily both people on the mortgage. So, um I mean that's you know you get involved with a lot of the, a lot of the law side of it. That's um, honestly that's not my side of it. Um, I'm I that's where I I lean to people like yourselves. <laughs> you know, mm, good. I see. So let me just clarify. So if someone's just refinancing the existing debt to remove the other spouse from the debt, that's one kind of process. Mm-hmm. And it's a maybe this the um, underwriting is different if the spouse that's staying in the house is not only buying out the other excuse me not only refinancing the existing debt but also needs more cash to buy out the other spouse's equity correct is that right the the underwriting standards are going to be a little bit different correct i see correct okay and maybe the interest rate might be a little bit different right yeah Got and it. Um, and it's it's interesting because there's been you know there's been a lot of changes that we've seen in in guidelines, and it gets a bit it gets to be a little complicated sometimes, and that's one of the problems that you have in in, in my in, well in a lot of industries, but mine in particular is that you know they can come up with something out of the middle of nowhere and it changes something, and if uh, you know it, it could change how you how you underwrite the loan and and, and the direction that someone is going in. So right, um, and it's it's tough right now here in Massachusetts, uh, just with the the lack of inventory that uh, more people are holding on to the the property. And but then they have to look at it and say, is it affordable? Can I, can, you know, can I keep this with what I have going on? And that's kind of one of those. That's where I, I try to come up with a, with the plans for them and kind of help them through that. To see, you know, it's and then, like mm-hmm. a lot of things. Uh, I would always have to say um, is that you um, just because you can just because you can qualify for something doesn't mean you should do it. And that's one of the things that I've always felt with a lot of people is the fact that, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, sometimes people, will, they want me to max out. Well, what's my maximum thing? And it's like, well, you, can, you know, you can do this. And, you know, it's a, it's a $12,000 a month mortgage payment. Who wants that, you know? So um, that, that's why it's more a matter of just trying to figure everything out. And I think one of the, the big things that we're going to see a, as a, an issue going forward is the fact that a lot of people are sitting on these two and a half percent interest rates. And right now we're, you know, depending upon what your loan amount is, you know, we're, you, you, you know, figure six is a nice number. Uh, six and a quarter is, is, is still out there. So it's, it's, it's a big, it's a big impact, you know? Yeah, it really, it doesn't seem to be affecting the market a whole lot right now oh, in Massachusetts. No. All right. Uh, uh, it's crazy. Uh, yeah. Inventory is low. It's, yeah. And, uh, well, I laugh because you know, I have uh, quite a large number of realtors that I reach out to and talk to on a daily basis, and I've had several who um, have actually sold their own houses and are renting. They're like, Mac, you know, I mean, it, it's 
pretty why not you know yeah, <laughs> i downsized and moved and i'm uh, and i'm very comfortable right now but i mean i you know look at a lot of these things that are going on and um I mean, you know, you go to some of the towns that are around me, and there is nothing on the market. I mean, nothing. I mean, you know, and right. if something comes on, it, you know, I, I, you know, it's basically uh, um, under agreement on uh, Sunday afternoon at the end of the open house. You yes, know? yes, I've seen that. I know some um, people in their thirties that are looking to uh, buy their first home and or second home in some cases because now there's a couple of kids, they want a bigger space and. It's really chasing chasing real estate. They're being snatched up very quickly. Well, it's the spring market. We're in March right now, so the spring market, I guess, opens up more. There'll hopefully be more inventory. Yeah, well, that's what you know. One of the problem. Well, again, one of the problems you find in this business is the fact that there's a lot of people that would like to move, but they don't know where to go, so they don't want to list their house, and so it's kind of like like a self fulfilling thing. And it's uh, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how it works. Um, we do bridge loans and things like that, which help people. But they aren't; per- they're not perfect for everybody. And yeah. um, I mean, you have to have a pretty substantial income in order to qualify for two 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 mortgages like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. You know? It's hard to time that—the sale of one and the purchase of another, right? Yeah. There Good. is no timing. <laughs> timing, timing. All right. Well, look. How do you differentiate yourself from all those other lenders out there? Well, basically, one of the things I you know I I have a lot of experience in the business, yeah. and the only t- the reason why that that's important is the fact that. I have seen just about everything that can come down the road. And I have, you know, obviously an origination background. I've got an underwriting background, processing. So whenever I'm talking to somebody, just a a matter of fact, having an initial conversation, I'm already underwriting it and kind of thinking of the pitfalls. Um, One of the things I try not to do is to, you know, um, um, I try not to give people uh, a false sense of hope. You know, because a lot of times it's like you can talk to people that are looking for for things, and they they might not they, it might might not fit into it. So uh, I like to put things pencil to paper. Um, I'm old fashioned on that sense uh, to kind of work things out. But uh, basically, mm-hmm. you know, Leader Bank itself is one of the top ba- uh, banks that's lending here in Massachusetts. Uh, I've got a great team behind me, yeah. a lot of experience, and all those all those things add up. And a lot of it comes down to I use one word all the time, and I use it all the time, and that's comfort. People have to feel comfortable about the whole thing, whether it's the, the divorce situation we're talking about or just your average person coming in looking for a mortgage. If you don't feel comfortable, you're waking up in the middle of the night, and it's going to be a yeah, bad trip. Yeah, yeah, you're right. All right, I've had the pleasure of speaking with Scott King, a mortgage lender at Leader Bank. And I appreciate all the insight you've given us about lending and timing, how important timing is in the refinancing process during the divorce. And I hope our listeners have appreciated what you have to say. Thank you, Scott. Thank you very much for the opportunity. This was a great time. Thank yeah. you, Hendo.